Amen, amen. It's good to be with my family today. Okay. So I want to put a little plug in before I start, because if I start, I'll forget, and then someone's going to be like, Sean, you forgot to plug it. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> so our small group season is starting again. And so the week of the 7th, that whole week, different groups are starting, right? So their they're, they're sign-ups are out there. Please Please consider what God's saying about that because you need to be a part of groups. One specific I want to make sure you hear about is we are doing our, our, one of our equip classes, which is the freedom one, our small group, <laughs> which is the freedom one. Right? It is our small group that we do here at the church, and it is a big deal. We have been going after learning how to step into presence to be full, and this freedom one is all about learning how to hear the voice of God. And so if you are struggling, God, how do I tell what your voice is? And how do I, like, how do I hear? How, how does that work? What goes on? What's going on inside of me? And how do I experience freedom from that? This is what it's about. It's one of the biggest things that we do on a regular basis. Once a year, we do this because we want to help people step into relationship at a higher level. So please consider that. So... Over the last few weeks, God has really grabbed a hold of us around we need to go after presence more than anything else. That's the starting block for everything, to be full, to be full of him. And this is actually the promise. Like So when we talk about the promise here, we're talking about being filled with the Spirit of God. This is what you've been promised. And so... Being full, like it's like as you, as you experience him, it starts you on a journey that opens up all of heaven to you. It opens up sonship to you. It opens up so much of what you've been called to be and to do. And I want to connect some things today because God started talking to me about how if we're going to do this well, if we're going to go after this well, there's some things that we may need to consider that we haven't considered yet. Now, before I do that, I'm going to set you up. But I'm not really setting you up. But yeah, I'm setting you up, okay? So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if, right? But I want you to know whether you raise your hand or you don't raise your hand, both of them are set up. Right? So there's no wrong answer, right? There's no right answer. This is actually more for you. So when I ask this, the first thing that comes in your spirit, and again, it's okay, whatever you're at, whatever you feel about that is okay, okay? This is a question for you because I want you to ask yourself this question, and by engaging in it, it's going to force you to think about it and actually, okay, I've got I've to deal with this a little bit. Is new life, is this your family? Like I said, if you don't raise your hand, that's okay. Because, like, if you're new, like, obviously, if, you, if you're a guest here, I would not expect you to raise your hand, okay? <laughs> yeah, it, there's all kinds of reasons why we could say that or not be able to say that. And there are reasons why we would say that, right, or believe that. Why do you believe what you believe on that? 
If you couldn't raise your hand, why? If you did raise your hand, why? Just hold on to that. Consider that because I'm going to come back to that. So who did Jesus elevate to the level of family? Do you know? Some of you know. Some of you might not know. So let's go there. Mark 3, it says this, verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. So Jesus is in the house. He's ministering. He's talking, doing his Jesus thing, right? Talking in ways some people understand, most people don't, right? Because he's talking in parables, and he's talking about heaven stuff, and we don't know how in heaven stuff, and he's talking, he's talking, okay? And his family shows up outside. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, hey, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And this is what he says. So he's got them around him, and he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whosoever does the will of, excuse me, whosoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, he's not giving us like, hey, you're the mother of God. That's not what he's talking about. <laughs> he's saying, he, you know, like, think about this. It's one thing for him to say, yeah, you're my brother. It's another thing to say, the way I value the relationship with the mother, I value the relationship with you at that level. The ones who do what? The will of God. The ones who walk with the desire of God. Like the things that God values, they value. The thing that God wants to go after, they go after. That's what he's saying. That's what the will of God is. What it doesn't say is those who call themselves Christian. Those who go to church. Like that might be true, but it also might not be true. See, because it's not that we show up. It's not that we, like, want to be a part of what's going on in any particular church and anywhere in the world, right? It's that those who actually go after the thing that God says is important. It's kind of weighty when you put it that way. That's how I roll, too. You know that, right? So... I want you to look at how Jesus interacted with his disciples and with the people in general. And so would you say Jesus loved people? Okay? And that's, I'm going to have you interact with me. How? Why would you say that? How did Jesus love people? Just yell something out. He healed them. Call them out of sin. He forgives them, right? The cross, I mean, that's like the ultimate, right? He served them. How did he serve them? Okay. Anybody else? So he sacrificed himself for them. Okay. 
He washed their feet. That's a <laughs> Think about that one. That's a good one, right? How about when he, when he, when he uh, uh, cast out demons? Was that him showing love? So, like, there's nothing he did that wasn't from a place of love. Like, he loved people. And he loved them in ways that actually showed up in what he did. He expressed love by expressing what he had on the inside. So for him to actually be Jesus and love the way he loved, it was from sonship, a place of authority, that he had authority over sickness. He had authority over the demonic. He had authority as being the son of God. He got that through connection. So from a place of being full of God, right? Because the Spirit talks about him having the Spirit without measure. Like he was not just full, he was like super full. Right? It was from that place of being full that he could walk with God. He heard God. He saw the things that God would do. So he only, he says, he only does what he sees. He only says what he hears. So it's from this place of fullness that you step into sonship. Okay? That is the beginning of being able to let something come out of you that you're designed for. Now, if you haven't ever heard of this, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pastors have done a terrible job if you've never heard this before. Right? You're designed to operate as sons. You're designed to be able to receive what heaven provides for the children of God, you're able to access heaven's abundance, and it's, it, like, it's not like dollar bills. It's way more important than that. And you're able to give it away. So that, and that's what Jesus did. He gave away heaven to restore what was stolen, to destroy the works of the devil. And when he interacted with people, people received life. Depression left, fear left, anger left. The body responded by going back into what it was designed to be. The, the, the ones that were so oppressed by the enemy where the, the enemy just takes up so much space in their mind and their hearts, he's able to just remove that from them. If you don't know, that's what you're designed for. The challenge for us is to get there. That's why we've been going after let's be full. We have to be at, go after being full. Like today, when we end this service, go after being full. When, when, we, when we, you get together in a small group, go after being full. In your prayer life, go after being full. Have fullness, the expectation of everything you go after. As you step into this, you're going to be embracing your identity. 
But there's two parts to this identity. There is no sonship without servanthood. There is no sonship without servanthood. If I don't want to serve, I am rejecting sonship because they go hand in hand. And I can't serve effectively unless I embrace sonship. Just let that sink in. I can serve and I can do good things, but I cannot do God things unless the God of heaven, that his spirit actually is in me and is moving me and is able to bring life out of me. See, that's when my service isn't just good, it becomes God stuff. This is what we're designed for. I can feel it in the room. Some of you are like, er? <laughs> this is why it's so fulfilling. Because when you're full of him, the, the joy, the peace, all of the things that God said, all the things that Jesus talked about become a reality. They are accessible. But it is something you have to fight for. It is something that like, you have to go after. It just doesn't like come to you, stay with you, and just like, oh, but damn, all of a sudden, all the problems in the world go away, and you're awesome, you're good. It doesn't really work like that because there's so much of the world in the way we believe there's so much pain in our histories. There's so many, there's so many things that have, have attacked our identity that it takes some time to work those things out. So would you describe Paul, for those that don't know Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. So most of the writings that we currently have that survived come from the writings of Paul. Would you say Paul knew how to operate as a son? Hopefully you're saying yes inside your head. So Romans 1 and 1, he starts this letter out to Romans says, I, he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. He calls himself a servant. Another place he says this in 2 Corinthians, for what we preach is not ourselves. This is a guy who did amazing things. Amazing things. Sacrificed himself over and over. He got beat with rods. He got stoned. He got thrown in prison. He got shipwrecked. He got bit by a snake as he got shipwrecked. <laughs> he just, like, if you look at it, you're like, oh, this guy's jacked up. He's a poor, poor guy. He's like, no, I'm good. Right? He had authority and power. He knew how to walk in it. But listen to what he says. For we don't preach, or, we don't preach about ourselves. It's not about us, but it's about Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Where does he get this from? Why did he look at it this way? Because I can tell you, like, I've, if you've uh, heard me over the years, I talk about sonship in all kinds of different ways. It's usually somewhere in somewhere in where I'm preaching. Somewhere it's in there because I believe it. 
It's something we, we have a hard time believing about this is what we're called for. We struggle with going after sonship. But I want to apologize because I probably haven't talked about servanthood enough. Because they go hand in hand. And he, he started talking to me about this, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I did leave that out quite a bit. And part of it was I didn't know how, like, I, I didn't realize how important that is when you talk about the fullness. And so when we started going after, because God's like, go after the fullness, then he's like, okay, I need you to go after this too, because like, you, you can't have this without this. It doesn't work. So what does it mean to be a servant? It is not being a slave like we were slaves in the past. It's not talking about that. See, Galatians says, because you are his sons. He's talking to the Galatians. He's talking to the church, which he means he's talking to you too. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. He's made you a son. Ladies, you're sons. When you go to heaven, there's no female and male. We're all sons. You get to operate as sons on the earth. The authority that Jesus carried He's saying, I'm giving it to you also, because when you become part of me, you get to be a son. We were slaves to sin. And see, we're not slaves to God. You get to do whatever you want. You don't want to follow God? He's like, okay, let me know how that works. He, he, I don't know about you, right? He set it up for me that after I got tired enough of just feeling like doo-doo and, you know, my relationships are doo-doo and, you know, I'm de depressed about things and I'm, I'm doing drugs because I want to feel better and that works for a little while, but you don't really feel better. You just feel really weird. And, and then when you come off of it, you're just like, oh, I'm back to me again. I got to live with me again and I don't even like me. And when I heard God actually likes me, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Not only does he like me, he loves me. And so he comes after me, and I responded to him, and that's how I started this journey. And I was what, jacked. I was seriously jacked up. I'm surprised. It worked out, to be honest with you. So we choose to serve. We're not slaves. God is, he is perfectly okay it's not okay, but like he set this up to where he has to be okay with. If you don't want to serve, you don't have to. You don't want to serve him, you don't have to. See, I serve him because out of the fullness and the love that I've experienced, the bounty of heaven that I've been able to experience, I can't think of anything else I want to do because the more I find out what it means to like who Jesus is, and I start seeing the way he sees, and I respond to God the way he wants me to respond to him, and I follow him, and I follow him down this, this road of discovering this, like, it doesn't enter in my mind to do anything else, because I, 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 everything else is just stupid. I'm not calling you stupid. 
right? I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean. We'll just go with that. It's like, I've got to dig that ditch deeper. deeper. I'm like, oh, I'll just get out of that one right now. So, one of the things, that, as we were getting ready for this, like, we meet, on, we meet on Friday. We just talk about what God's talking about, the message, and there's people in the room talking about, like, what they're hearing to around it. And someone said something about, this is like Cain. See, you are so free to make any decision you want about how you want to do things with God. We're also free to be like Cain. Because God, God's telling us, hey, when we start hearing and being pulled on by the Spirit, when we start being led by the Spirit because we get full, right? He starts pulling on us to move in a certain direction. If we don't want to go with him, we, can do, we, we don't have to go with him. We can choose not to. But we're being just like Cain. See, Cain knew in the story of Cain and Abel, right? Abel put a sacrifice before God. It was a lamb. He, gave it, he burnt it, and God, or he brought it to God, and God burned it up, took the sacrifice, right? Now, Cain, though, he's like, I'm, I don't really want to do that. I garden. I'm going to give him what I garden, so I'm going to bring some vegetables, right? I worked hard for these vegetables, and God's... It didn't, God didn't take the sacrifice. And Cain's all, well, how come you're not taking the sacrifice? And he gets offended with God. He gets so offended with God, he's getting offended with the brother. He gets offended with the brother, and he's, out of his rage, he kills his brother. All, I mean, things just going wrong. And God's like, hey, I just, like, I'm over here doing this. I'm asking you to come join me, and you're telling me no. We would never do that. We go to church. We are Christians. We follow God. And God's like, I want you to go serve this person. No, I don't want to do that because I don't know how to do that. I'm uncomfortable with that. I don't want to serve them. They don't deserve it. Right? I'm antisocial. I don't know how to socialize with people. I can't do that, God. I'm really uncomfortable. If I start doing this, it's going to be a lot of work, and then I don't got time for this. Like, we've got all kinds of reasons. We're like, God, here, here's some vegetables. They're really good vegetables. And, you know, and I don't remember, I don't know if you remember when God was talking to Israel. He's like, I'm tired of your sacrifices. You keep giving me vegetables. And it was actually the sacrifices he told them to give, right? He says, obedience is better than your sacrifice. Like, if you're not going to follow me, what's the point? The reason why he wants you to follow him is because he's taking you someplace you need to go. Right? He's not making you go someplace you don't need to go. He's not making you go someplace because he needs someone to go there. Right? He's not making you go or asking you to go because it's not important. It's important in ways that he's never going to tell you. And he doesn't have to because he's God. You know what I'm saying? Well, unless I understand it, God, I'm not going to go with you. Okie dokie. Let me know how that works out. He's God. And once you have that experience where you experience and you know God is real, right? it requires us to be like, Man, now I've got to follow him. 
And, and, like, and, and, and I, I, for some people, it blows their minds. Well, that's too much. I don't really want to do that. I'm going to do something else. Okay, 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 okay. I'm not, not going to argue with you. you know? But I do want to remind you, right? Jesus was absolutely awesome. He has preached way better than I do, okay? I'm not even in the same ballpark as him. Probably not even the same planet. Right? But he's talking. He's got people following him. He's doing miracles. He's healing. He's feeding people. He's feeding the 5,000. He does all kinds of wonderful things. Right? And then he makes a statement, unless you eat my flesh and drink my, my blood, you'll have no part of me. And everybody's like, whoa. He didn't say, come back. Come back. I can't have a church without you. He turned to the ones that stayed, which were the apostles, He's like, you guys going to leave too? <laughs> yes, if you want to go, you can. You follow me? Now, I, I know, I don't know of any pastor that says this. Honestly, I don't know of anybody who says this. only reason why I'm saying this is because this is what he wants me to talk about. God doesn't need you. He wants you. He's going to be fine without you. But if you want to be fine, you need him. I guarantee you, you need him. Because if you think life is awesome without him, how's it going? Right? I wouldn't be here if it wasn't awesome. I couldn't have survived this if it wasn't awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you my story a little bit. How much time do I get? Okay. So, I was really good at doing Christianity. Really good at it. Man, I looked good. Jacked my son up with it. I was Christian. Orthodox. I had the rules you could follow. You do these things, you're going to be awesome with God. God is going to be happy with you. Jacked my son all up. Fortunately for me, God was like, okay, I'm with you. And I'm not saying I got sick because of it. I think, like, it was more like the sickness came and God's like, whew, this will help him out. He needs, he needs something to help him right now. And I was in a wheelchair a couple years. I was jacked up. I was dying. I was dying. And so then I started hearing God's voice. Fortunately for me, the best thing that ever happened was like recognizing that God actually talks and communicates with you, right? And, and there's all kinds of different ways he communicates. Same way there's all kinds of different ways your spouse communicates or the one you love and you've been with them long enough, you learn the different ways they communicate. And in this, I'm growing now. Like now I'm starting to understand sonship because he's talking to me. I'm, I'm learning being full because it's, I'm spending time with him. I had plenty of time to spend with him too. Okay? I didn't go from a wheelchair, like, boom, I'm good. I mean, it was a, a slow process up. I had plenty of time to pray. And so in this, there, I reached a point where uh, God was moving on me to start a Boy Scout troop here in this church right? My son was out of school and moved out. <laughs> I didn't have any boys. <laughs> right? And I'm like, okay. 
you know, I wasn't like, yay, God. I was like, okay, I, like you're telling me this. I'm going to follow you, and I have no idea why we're doing this, right? Now, you also got to know something about me. If you're, like, not really a social person, I completely understand, right? I had previously gone camping by myself and was just fine. So I grew up, I grew up in Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts, so I knew about it, right? And so he, he, I make the announcement that these boys show up, and we start doing this, right? And it's work. you got to plan stuff, you know, and these, these they're kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old. They're not contributing a lot here, you know? And I'm just like, okay, God, I'm like, I'm going through it, and I'm learning this, right? And I get through a year, and I'm like, okay, God, you know, can I put this down? He's like, nope. I'm like, okay. So we go another year. I didn't know I needed it. He didn't give me adults because he couldn't trust me with them yet. <laughs> Seriously. Because when I started after that, I started working with adults. Like he, he finally said I could put that down, right? And so I'm like, okay, good. And then, then we're upstairs. And because I was a Boy Scout leader, we had this big leadership thing where anybody who was a leader would show up, right? And I'm in the room, and I'm not doing anything. Or, no, I think I went to the choir. Like, I'm going to do something I want, and I joined the choir, right? Because I, I, I love singing. And uh, so I'm part of the choir, and I'm up there one day, and God's like, yeah, I didn't tell you to do this. And I'm like, boom, 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 boom. So I go to the choir leader. I'm like, okay, I got to quit. God told me I can't do this. He's like, Okay. It's like never anybody said anything before they left. They usually just take off. Pretty cool. All right, so then there's this meeting. Because I was the Boy Scout leader, I was able to go, right? I'm in the meeting, and God tells me, I want you to ask Pastor if he needs help with the media. And, and I, rem- I like, anybody who knows me, I don't remember a lot of things. But I remember this. I went and I asked him, and he looks at me with this kind of bizarre look on my fa- his face. He's like, I asked him, do you need help with the media? And he's like, yes, I do. And I'm like, okay. So I'm just, boom, I get in there running. Phew. I didn't know nothing about media. Zero. Right? Why was I doing it? Because he told me to. But he was building me as I was serving others. He was building me as I was serving others. He was building me as other people were being blessed. He's not asking you to give perfection. He's just asking to give your best. He'll work on the other stuff. And see, I told this to the, to the or huddle earlier. If you've served in a church at all, right, I'm sure, I am sure it was problem-free. Everybody was full of Jesus. They always did what they were supposed to do. They always loved like they were supposed to love. And they never poked you in the eye. Right? Obviously not. But do you understand, like, that's the part that builds you. Like, God, I don't know how to, like, do this. 
okay, I want you to connect in here. I don't want to do that, God. But you said you want to know how to do this. <laughs> I know that's not the same thing you were asking, but it's the thing you need to be able to learn how to do this. If you want to know how to do people, you have to be next to people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you want to ha- know how to love, you have to have opportunities where love is required. And they're not loving you back. Right? That's how you learn love. You want to learn long-suffering? I know we pray. I, I know in the church it's real popular. Don't pray about long-suffering. You'll get all jacked up. <laughs> but that's how you get long-suffering. You suffer a long time. <laughs> See, and this, and then, now, the reason why it hasn't worked, some of you didn't raise your hand. Do you know why? Because you've been burnt. You felt the pain of everything I'm talking about and more. Right? This is why it didn't work. Because we weren't going after fullness. See, because if I'm full and I'm in communication with him, it doesn't matter if you're full. It doesn't matter what you do. Because you're not the one that gives me joy. You're not the one that takes away joy. I allow my joy to be taken, and it's not from you. It's from the spirit that's operating in you. It's from the lie that you agree with that you don't know how to love. You don't know how to be nice. You don't know how to do whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like some, There's a reason why you're not actually able to do that, right? But it's not your fault I lost joy, and it's not your fault I lost peace. It's not your fault I don't know what to do. I then, because I have relationship here, can go back to him, say, God, I am not feeling good right now about this. Can I quit? And he's like, no. But those people you gave me, like Moses, right? Those people you gave me. (laughs) He's like, feel free, wipe them out. (laughs) And he's trying to help us to learn how to be like Jesus, and it's the situations Without the situations, you're not going to grow. It's just, if you can figure it out, tell me, because I don't know how it works without that. Like, serving is a requirement to becoming a son. It's a symbiotic relationship. See, you can't do service without sonship, and you can't do sonship without service. If you were Jesus, you could just jump right into it. But we're not starting at that place. We're trying to get there. This is how you grow in grace and in truth. So I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to remind you of the question, how did Jesus love? I want you to look at this. John 13 and 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. This is how you prove to the world that you're my disciples. Does this make sense now? See, it wasn't the ambiguous love, just love. It was the way I loved you. You need to do that. You need to go after that. You need to learn that. 
Because when you do, people are going to see him and they're going to know he's real. That's the way this works. So remember when I asked you, uh, oh, well, let me, I want to share this. this. This is something else he showed me. And I was just, I was just like, oh, God. Do you know the story of when Jesus uh, is standing on the shore and they are, Peter and the, some of the other disciples are fishing? Do you know that story? Okay, so let me give you some backdrop on that story. Jesus had resurrected from the dead. This is Jesus in his resurrected body. This is the God of heaven operating now. This isn't the man, Jesus, who had God with him operating in him. This was him in his resurrected body. He's already gone into heaven. He's like, he has done the deed. And so he's on the shore. They're fishing and he's like, hey, how's it going out there? And you're like, no, nah, we haven't caught anything. Throw your nets on the other side. They throw their nets on the other side. Boom. Filled with fish. Peter's like, oh, that's Jesus. <laughs> Filled with fish. Now they started working. It was work before. Now you got to haul these fish in. You know what Jesus is doing? The resurrected Jesus, the king of glory. You know what he's doing? He's cooking them dinner. He's on the shore cooking them dinner. The last person I would expect to be serving me would be that person. But he cared about them so much that he knew they would be hungry and he wanted to have a chat with them. Let me give him some food. It's in this, after he serves them dinner, this is where he talks to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. This is the epitome of what I'm talking about. We cannot be like Jesus until we learn to serve heaven to people from a place of love. That's why we serve. We need to serve with love. We need to learn how to serve with love, not out of obligation, right? Far too long and far too many churches, people have served because, like, they're supposed to. And it's not bad. It's just not the design. When we serve, like, if you were in this house and you were serving, thank you so much. You are a blessing in more ways than you will ever know. But if you haven't discovered what it means to serve out of fullness and out of hearing and out of giving heaven away, you haven't even begun to understand what serving is and the power of serving. That's what you're designed for. And if you're sitting at Jesus' feet just like Mary was, Thus the title, are you Mary or Martha? Are you sitting at his feet all the time? You're like, oh, Jesus, I just need more of you. Jesus, I just need more of you. 
There is a time and a place for that. When, when, when that story talking about Mary and Martha came about, right? Jesus is talking to them and Mary's just like sucking, just drinking it in and just, oh God, this is amazing. I get, you have words of life and she was enjoying it so much and it was changing her. This is the Mary that was the first one to see Jesus after he was resurrected. And Martha's like, she's doing the, she's working it. She's taking care of And she looks over at Mary and like, look, look, come on, you're not helping me. Can't you see this house is full of people? You're my sister. You're supposed to do this. Jesus wasn't, didn't tell her, hey, why are you cooking? Why are you cleaning? That's not what he said. He said, why are you encumbered about with so many things? She's chosen the wiser thing. She's chosen the better thing. You could choose it too. There's a time and a place to serve. But you got to get full first. But once you're full, you need to serve. No one is called to ministry that doesn't include serving from a place of love. That's what the word means. If you think ministry is what I'm doing right now because I'm preaching, if you think ministry is praying for people and getting them healed, right? And you don't think ministry is actually serving and speaking words of life to people when you're saying hi at the door, when you're with a group of people washing windows, when you're whatever, you're missing the point. It's anytime you're able to give away heaven, it is ministry. Anytime you get prompted by God to do something and you respond to him, it's ministry. Why? Because it didn't originate with you. It originated with him. So remember when I asked you to consider, is new life your family? Many of you said yes. And I ask you the question, do you love them? Some of, in the, some of us in the room that didn't raise our hands, some that did. I want to share with you something that God showed me. I was a terrible teenager. I was terrible. My brother was terrible too. My poor mom doesn't even remember those years. It's like a blank slate. Some of some of the moms are like, right, she was a single mom. It was rough. I didn't help at all. You know why I didn't help? Because I didn't understand. I couldn't see. I, I, I didn't realize what was going on. I was ignorant. 
And I was living in a fantasy world in my head about what I thought life was. Most teenagers do this to some degree or another. They, like, how many, how many teenagers do you know, like, you who were teenagers will understand this. Like, when you were a teenager, like, you knew everything. Right? This is what we do. We think we know. And then when we get out in the real world and we find out, okay, yeah, that didn't quite work out. Oh, that didn't quite work out. That didn't work out. That idea doesn't work either. You, like, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. I know less now than when I was a teenager. <laughs> I didn't help. So I'm going to say this, and I know, like, this is something else pastors don't say, right? We can come to church and let somebody else pay for the lights, somebody else, somebody else serve us, somebody else take care of the, getting this place ready for us to show up and treat it like this is some type of entertainment venue, right? And we don't realize how unhealthy that is. I'm not saying you're bad. If you're struggling with that, like if you recognize, oh, that actually might be me. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying there's something you don't see and it's eating your lunch. Just think about that for a second. I learned after I grew older and started understanding things and became wiser, right, that I should have done different things with my son. But I didn't know when I was a young parent because I didn't get taught that. And if someone didn't share it with me who was wiser than me, I would have never seen it. What we do is not wise. Even if you're like, if you're not even planning on being, let's say you're on vacation here, you're just coming visiting, and this is not the place God's telling you to be. I want you to hear this also because you need to recognize our culture in the United States has turned church into a spectator sport. Do you know how you learn to play football? Let's go with soccer because that's you see both women, men and women in soccer. So I'm going to be able to bring the women along. Women are like, yeah, I don't want to play football. Let's go with soccer. You know how you learn to play soccer? You don't learn sitting in, in a seat, someone describing you how to play soccer. You learn to play soccer by actually playing soccer. You can learn about soccer, but you can't learn how until you're actually doing it. You know how to learn how to be responsible in a family? Is you teach your kids how to be responsible in the family. You actually have them do something. In our, in our country, we've taken our kids and said, you don't, you don't need to just go to school. Just, just, just grow up. And then they hit 18 years old. We kick them out the door. And we wonder why they crash and burn. They don't know anything. They haven't done anything. They don't, they don't know how to cook. They don't know how to clean. They don't know how to take care of anything. We, we've taken that away from them, thinking that it's love. And it's not. It's not helping them. If I didn't tell this to you, I wouldn't be helping you. Whatever church God's saying, you need to be a part of this church. You need to be a part of that church. 
He's not telling you to go so you can listen on Sunday. He's telling you to go because that church has something he wants to use them to give to you. He wants you to go so that you can be a part of that church so you can discover things about who you are from him. And even if you're in a place where you have a church that like you're out in the middle of nowhere and your choices on churches are very slim, right? It might not be the best church in the world. This might not be the best church in the world. I don't know because we're doing the best we can. There's probably churches that are way better than our church. But if God's telling you to be a part of it, he's not asking your opinion about what's wrong. He's asking you to join with him so you can become who you're designed to be. And I guarantee you, right? If you learn to follow his voice, you grow, grow in grace, grow in truth, grow in love, grow learning learning how to minister and give away God, that church will actually become better. I know because that's what we've been doing. That's how this works. So as I close, I want to remind you first and foremost, if you haven't been filled with the Spirit of God, you can be. If you haven't been baptized in His name and actually made the decision, God, I'm tired of this world. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need to be made whole again. We'll baptize you. You can choose Jesus anytime you want. If you're one that has served and you haven't discovered how to serve out of being full in heaven, ask him. That's the will of God for you. If you have been one that's been sitting at his feet, and you haven't yet said yes to him about serving, go find a place to serve. There are small groups outside that you can connect to and walk with, and you can practice on them. There are teams of, uh, our team small groups that serve in the house. They're here so you could serve the people around you and practice on them. Get into it. If you are a visitor or if you like, I haven't made the decision for Jesus yet, I want you to know that when you do, it is transformative to your life and you are designed to not only experience love, to experience acceptance, to experience wholeness, to experience everything that God talks about in the Bible. It is for you. And he's designed it that it can actually come from you. could stand up. And if when I talked about the clueless, self-absorbed teenager, and that was you, I want you to know that he is perfectly okay where you've been. He just wants you to recognize where you are and that he's the answer for you. And that the fulfillment that you're looking for is going to come when you start saying yes to him. And he's right there with you, 
He's not beating you up, and nobody in this house is either. You are not designed to be stuck there. Just pray with me. So God, I thank you so much that you love us in ways that keep calling us to you, that you never turn your back, that you always call us higher. You always call us to be like you. You call us to sonship and you call us to service. Reveal my heart, God. Reveal what's going on inside of me, what's keeping me from stepping in. Forgive anything inside of me, Lord, that I've been stubborn about. Forgive me for telling you no or just ignoring you. And give me the courage to say yes. Give me the courage to believe about being full. Give me the courage to believe that if you're calling me someplace, that you're going with me, that you're giving everything I need to go there. God, we just love on you right now. We need to be full of you. Let your love just fill us up, God. That every sin, everything that's broken inside of us, everything that's not from you, we just give it to you. Because you took it to the cross. We just give it to you, God. And we receive forgiveness right now. Help us to think differently. Help us to step into you. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen, amen. We're going to sing and we're going to worship again. I encourage you, the prayer team's going to be here. And if you want to pray with them specifically about something where there's healing in your body, healing for your heart, healing for your soul, they're going to be here for you as we sing. I would encourage you to worship him and just step into that place of worship because it's in worship that it's easiest to hear.